0: Southeast Radio's morning mix: chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. Let's get a local view on what's happening in inner primary schools. I'm joined by the school principal of the CBS in Wexford Town, uh, Vicky Barron. Good morning to you, Vicky. Hi,
1: Alan. How are you,
0: Vicky? The, this is worrying, and the stats are very, very worrying as well. Uh, what's it been like for you in the current climate?
1: Yeah, Alan, look, it's really challenging on the ground, Um, and I suppose, look, last time I was on, it was to do with the climbing rates of COVID in our school, Um, and where we are at the moment, I mean, I would have been one of the schools who responded to the INTO snapshot snapshot survey there last week, Um, and I suppose, look, I'll talk from my school if that's okay, Um, lots of schools have different, you know, they have different um, experiences, but um, in that INTO survey, 22% of schools responded. So we have about 4,000 schools, primary schools in Ireland. The biggest challenge we have is that it is the biggest group of unvaccinated members of our society. Our classrooms, as I said to you before the last time, in Ireland, primary school classrooms tend to be smaller. We don't have the facilities um, to mitigate all of these, um, you know, the spread of COVID. And The challenge is that what we hear from both the Department and the Minister for Education is that hand-washing, sanitising, etc., you know, makes our schools safe. And I suppose, look, long and short, I was, and I was screaming, I was calling, I was begging for support. Mm. There is me and there are thousands like me who are asking for help from the department and um, it hasn't been given and now we have, um, aside from the INTO snapshot, I'm also like to believe that the evidence proves that um, the people with the, the highest rates of COVID at the moment are primary school children and their parents.
0: Uh, Look, it also found that uh, substitutable teacher absence that occurred during the first two weeks of this month across the 877 schools that participated, no replacement could be found for almost one third of those absences.
1: Oh Alan, look, that was me. One day I had, um, again, again, my school, I had seven teachers out. So I was in a class, all my SET teachers were in classes. um, There were no substitutes available. Now, people will say you haven't tried hard enough. I can tell you that I tried Subseeker. I rang every substitute teacher I had in my phone, my staff rang every substitute teacher they knew. We were ringing colleges, we were ringing people who were um, newly qualified graduates. It got to a point where one day I actually, I was very lucky, as you all know I have a very talented sister who teaches drama, so we brought her in to give a masterclass in drama for a day rather than send our children home. But in schools we are desperate. There are no sub-teachers to cover at the moment. And I suppose, Alan, this isn't new, right? Around this time of year this would be common, but last year, um, we were allowed to what we called bank the substitute hours. So if a teacher was out, it meant that you couldn't, um, there was nobody to fill the role. So one of your SET teachers, a special ed teacher, went in. But we banked those hours, which meant that what was available to us was when the children returned and the teachers were available, we could then employ other teachers to cover those hours so at the end of last academic year i had hundreds of hours banked and i was able to bring in substitute teachers and deliver a really really high quality course of special ed teaching and supplementary teacher work to the kids
0: right fewer than half of the absences according to the report from the into were covered by a qualified primary school teacher and you just borne that out there vicky
1: yeah. Now, what I will say is what you must realise of the teachers that are co- covered by a qualified substitute primary teacher, that may also mean that a member of the special education teaching team is gone into a mainstream class, which means that our children with additional needs are not having their needs met on those days. Now this is a desperate situation and when you have ministers calling out how they're on the side of children with additional needs and yet on the ground Alan we have been crying out we've been writing letters we've been contacting people and then still we are told and it's on put out in the media that there is no crisis or that we're not aware of this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm baffled as to how how this situation can develop like this when we are making communication but what I have found, my experience is that um, we are disregarded what we are passing on, our information that we're sending on is disregarded and it's not acceptable anymore because there's no agenda in schools, we want to keep them open, we want our children in school we were devastated with the closures last year but when you remove contact tracing and we have no idea of how COVID is spreading or who has it and who doesn't have it, right. then it's going to spread rampantly throughout our schools and that is what we're seeing now and we called that out before All right, and, and like we were
0: disregarded. A, and, and going back to what I have here in front of me from the INTO and a move strongly criticised by schools and by the INTO at the time on the 27th of September the HSE abandoned routine contact tracing for asymptomatic close contacts in primary schools. Are you calling for that to be reintroduced or what are you calling for? Alan at
1: this stage uh, like ages ago in in october when we had the cases here i would have i was very strongly calling for contact tracing but now i don't see how it can be because it's just too far ahead It's it's gone too far at this stage. They need to look at installing filters, keeping the air clean in the schools. Stop telling people the schools are safe because schools are only as safe as the community they serve. We know this. We saw this last January when they instructed schools to open and then there was a massive outpouring of no, we cannot bring our children back into this environment. And Michal Martin came out later and said that was the correct move at the time. And now it's being disregarded again. So what I'm looking for, Alan, is filters. Like, it's an airborne virus. Washing your hands is ideal. It's great. But it doesn't stop the spread of COVID in a room that is not big enough to hold the children that you're teaching.
0: How hard is it to implement those filters, Vicky?
1: The filters, we don't have them. They're expensive. I mean, there isn't the option of applying for a grant. And if you also go, you'll see the research says that only 13 schools applied for the grant to access extra ventilation. But the bureaucracy around that is, in order to apply apply for that grant, you have to have proven that all other factors don't work. You then have to go and procure a consultant who, and you need three quotes for someone to even come and look at your establishment to decide whether or not you are going to uh, be able to apply for one of these filters or extra, you know, ventilation facilities. And then, like, it's a very convoluted, red-taped process. Nothing is easy at the moment during COVID. And it's, it's almost like we're being set up to fail.
0: Alright, finally, just to get your view on something else that has come from the INTO, they've called for the fast tracking of the booster vaccine programme and the provision of vaccines for children aged under 12 to support the primary education system in the coming months. I, I don't want to scare it's not what we try to do in this particular programme, we do want to give the facts. Are we heading to a crisis, do you think, Vicky? Are we in a crisis?
1: Um, from, from what's on the ground, yes it's just not being heard. We are in a crisis in primary schools um, throughout the country and the rate of um, and they're branding it as absenteeism. That is the wrong word. It is not absenteeism because absenteeism implies that teachers are just not turning up for work. If you have to remain at home for five days with a child who is symptomatic, you have no choice but to stay at home as a close contact. The problem is that there are no teachers. We are at crisis point. in, And you will see that in the INTO survey. They say we're creaking under the pressure. We are. It is spreading like wildfire through our primary schools. And we have called. We have begged. We have pleaded for help and to be listened to. That's all we want to be listened to, but it's been disregarded.
0: Thank you for taking our call this morning. That was Vicky Barron there, the principal of the CBS Primary School in Wexford. Let's get an immediate reaction to this. We are in a crisis. I'm joined by Independent Deputy Verona Murphy. Good morning to Verona.
2: Good morning, Ellen.
0: Shocking stuff, isn't it?
2: It is shocking, and uh, my heart goes out to Vicky because she's dealing with it as a frontline worker on the ground. And even though she's had her own issues whereby she took the action deemed to be necessary by the, the Board of Management in her school earlier, that was overruled by government. And I have to say that the measures that they've put in place since are, as Vicky says, they're too little too late. And, you know, if we look at Northern Ireland, because... The primary school sector is the sector where we have the largest cohort of unvaccinated people, children. That is why they instituted antigen testing and sent home a pack of 10 antigen tests with every child to their family for that particular reason and it meant that we could contain the virus at the earliest possible juncture and that's something that hasn't happened here and we can see now that the results are and you've seen the INTO survey published today, only just under a quarter of schools actually responded and I believe that that in itself depicts just how little faith the teaching fraternity now have in the government measures.
0: Brida has made a comment, to Verona, why not get the children to wear masks in school? I'm sick and tired of listening to teachers whinging. We all have to go to work and we just get on with things. That's the view of Breda. What do you think of Brida's suggestion? And,
2: and is absolutely entitled to our view, but I'd say this. It's very damaging for our children to have to wear masks. Not from, It's from their expression and social interaction level. Children generally express their emotions through facial features. And if you were a teacher and and a child is in discomfort, the first thing you can do is see it on their face, and I think social interaction for children at this age is very, very important, that they can see one another to interact. We we have, early on, determined that children will not get very sick, except where there's an underlying condition, and we can see that. Our you are not full of children of primary school age, mm-hmm. so I think whilst you know, and I do not, I, I would actually refute what Breida is saying, that teachers are whinging. Teachers are involved currently in a very, very difficult environment. Right. And, and that they, is something going that in. they're being
0: yeah, they're going, and in and sta- they're going in and standing up in front of a classroom every day and, and, and they, they could have elderly relatives themselves or, you know, they... they
2: well, I think yeah. that, that's not just the pressure, Alan, but it's the way that they have been told, literally that if a child has COVID, they're not allowed to impart that information onto other parents, etc. Mm. You know, and that brings us back to the action that Vicky Barron took early on in which case it was overturned and she was reprimanded as if she had done something wrong. What she did was institute what she felt in the Board of Management, for protective measures. So by no means are teachers whinging, and by no means would I like to see masks uh, for children of this age group.
0: What about uh, the suggestion? Because uh, apart from the, the point she raised, she also brought forward suggestions, and, and, and I often find, I always find with Vicky Baron that she will look at the negative side of things, but also come forward with alternatives. And one of the things she mentioned there was the filters, uh, and the fact that the filters are cost prohibitive, surely at a time when Everything, a lot of things have been subsidised, Verona. These filters should be subsidised to make them accessible to our primary schools to protect our children. And,
2: and, our and absolutely... Yeah, absolutely. That is the most sense that we can hear is someone who is on a practical level, but we must remember, this is something that was actually, we were told would happen. We were told that our schools were going to be ventilated. We were told that they would receive monitors in relation to air quality. That has not happened. I'm not sure what the percentage is, but it is a very high percentage of where it hasn't happened. We now know that ventilation and air quality is one way in which to combat just one of the arm one of the things in the armory that will help us combat and keep the virus we're not going to eradicate it anytime soon but it does need to be kept at bay and the ventilation measures along with possible temperature checks but Alan in other schools across the European structure and I can't tell you which one's exactly I know it was either Sweden or Switzerland where the children when they return to school they spit There's no other way to say it. They pass saliva into a bucket as their pod. So let's say there was 10 in a class, 10 spit into a bucket, and one antigen test was carried out on that saliva. If that saliva was positive, then the pod had to be tested. And I think that was a very early measure, and it has worked particularly well. It's non-invasive on the children, and it would only be institute an individual antigen test whereby it was Found that there was COVID within the pod. So I think we have been very lazy in how we have taken the armoury of supports and used them. We have, and government have placed all their eggs in the vaccination basket. And what worries me now is we're focusing on the vaccination status. What we need to focus on is the COVID status of every individual, whether they're vaccinated or not. That's the only thing that's going to allow us to contain it. It's the only thing that's going to allow us to limit the spread. And it's something that we have to look seriously at. Antigen testing, regardless of what you hear negatively from NEFIT, because it has not been endorsed to the level of which it should have been, it needs to be used and it has served its purpose in other sectors such as the meat industry, the nursing home sector. It can be the earliest possible right. detector. And yes, if found to be positive, then refer for a PCR test. Yeah, but, but it's, it's it, about containment at the earliest yeah, possible juncture.
0: But it's not foolproof, all I mean, people, you can't Nothing place too much is, emphasis on an antigen tests.
2: Well, Alan, it would appear that neither is the vaccination. We have to, for the percentage that we will miss with, with the antigen test, I mean, take Eamon Ryan, his PCR test, he had to do it three times to get the result he wanted. So, I mean, we don't have a silver bullet. What government are responsible for here, Alan, is putting a system in place that allows us to go about our daily business, the freedom and liberty of which we're entitled to. Okay. Government has failed in that regard. They have not used the armory that's there to support the vaccination.
0: We now want to just get a comment from you in relation to cams and dietitian. Uh, this is something that Raymond Shannon has raised with me. He's contacted me privately about this as well. Uh, just to get the ball rolling on this, to find out where we need to go with this next. You have a view on this. In fact, you've raised it as well. What are your concerns about the dietitian to do with cams? Uh, maybe you could share them with us, please.
2: Yeah, well, Ellen, since 2000, November 2020, I have brought up the dietitian requirement for Wexford four times in the doll, And last week, I brought it up as part of promised legislation to the Taoiseach, Mihal Martin. In Wexford, we currently have an allocation, believe it or not, of 0.5 a dietitian in relation to, you know, that means we would share 20 hours. In the whole county with some other, either a part time dietitian or a dietitian working in another county. So, I mean, it is not good enough. We have an exponential increase in anorexia and it's something I'm acutely aware of because many, many parents have brought this subject to me. Unfortunately, we do not have a pediatric dietitian at all in Wexford. If you look on the di- the National Dietitian website, we don't even have an allocation. We can't find a paediatric dietitian in Wexford. So what I have called on are three things I've called on the government to institute a paediatric dietitian to increase it to one whole time equivalent because that's the only way we're probably going to have an applicant accept the job and that the HSE and, and, and that a paediatric dietitian be added to the staffing requirements of cans which is child and adolescent mental health units which currently it is not a staffing requirement to have a dietitian in the cans resources so those things I got a positive response from Hall Martin uh, he said that you know we have been advertising for some 12 months on the HSE national panel there has been no uptake so he he took The point for me that it's because we only have a half-time equivalent position available that that should change to a whole-time one whole-time equivalent, and that uh, if we can't fill from the national panel, then we need to look elsewhere. And if that means bringing in someone from abroad, it's fundamental to the recovery of our children with anorexia and they can recover that's the positive here from parents they can recover from this condition but basically we need to minimise the long term effects uh, by providing them with that dietary advice to limit you know the conditions that will arise from their poor eating habits so I'm glad that the Taoiseach's response was positive I will be following up and I will be following up persistently until such time as we fill that position
0: Have to leave it there Thank you for taking the call this morning. That was Independent Deputy Verona Murphy. So, I did mention at the outset, in addition to the situation in primary schools, the dietary needs uh, and CAMs. We've just heard a response there from Independent Deputy Verona Murphy. Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views.